Hello everyone, welcome to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett. Merry Christmas! Uh-oh. It sounded just as odd to you as probably it does our listeners. Except with the possibility somebody, and I'm sure there'll be a moment or time when somebody might be listening to this podcast slash broadcast uh, in the Christmas season. This is true. This is We're true. not quite there yet. Well, we, we will be. Yes, I'm someday. Faith. I'm having faith that we will be. Regardless, whether uh, it is in real time or again, as virtually so, out there for anyone to listen to, who knows when. This is true. It's going to be Christmas time sometime. But the reason I bring that up is that you're going to have Christmas every day. This is also true. Because the idea of Christmas isn't just for either a season or one day a year. It is for every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, with that, I think that that kind of makes me think of, well, you know, what is the message? What's not only the message of Christmas, uh, they say Christmas is a time for kids, though. I don't know know if your attitude about Christmas has changed much as you've gotten older. I'm still trying to get um, past you talking about Christmas. (laughs) I I have to disclose this, okay? So listeners, don't get mad at me. I don't want your hate emails or whatever you're going to send me. I am a big advocate in Thanksgiving. And so... We don't do anything Christmas till after Thanksgiving, <laughs> and you said Merry Christmas, and I was like, wait a "Whoa, buddy, wait a minute." <laughs> that's another one of those things, though. That Slow you down. Could, that's another one of those things, though. That uh, you live all year long. Yes, you can live every day. It's yes. an attitude. I think yes. that that's what people fail to realize too. I'm not sure that many people. We'll get back to kids here in a minute. I'm not sure though that many people don't just think of holidays as days off work mm. or days they don't have to work. Now, that could bring up the whole point about COVID-19 or pandemics and the fact that it seems like a lot of people have been without work for well over a year, year and a half, maybe going on two years now. So, you know, it's an extended holiday, but I don't think that holidays are just to get off work. No. Holidays teach messages. Absolutely. And when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, God made it a point, or did a point, certain holidays that they were celebrating. Mm -hmm. But every holiday they celebrated was to commemorate a very, not only special moment, maybe, or time, but it also captured something that they were to always remember, lest they forget the holiday would give them a chance to kind of reset themselves Mm -hmm. so that they could remember it. Or at least that's my best interpretation. So that possibly it was one of those things that, oh, well, you know, we keep it in our mind. It's not forgotten. We can celebrate it as a holiday, but we're going to keep the attitude, what it really represented, what, what God was doing. And most holidays least Hebrew, it was all about what God had done for them. Right. It was a celebration and appreciation for what God had done for them. I feel like, and I don't know if this is where you're going with the children, but it is to remember, but I also feel like it's the opportunity to pass that on to our children. And I know this isn't very, maybe spiritual to some of our listeners or biblical, but, you know, I ask my kids, are you going to watch Rudolph when you get older? <laughs> 
because it's a tradition in our house. Are you going to have an annual frosting of the cookies? You know, I ask my kids these things, and, and yes, we have spiritual traditions, and, and we do Advent, but I've asked them that, and because it's a thing that I want them to remember from their childhood and of course the biblical part is more important I would never want to put Rudolph over baby Jesus <laughs> well I, I agree completely uh, and it's you could say well Rudolph really what has that got to do with a holy day or a holiday right. but I do think, believe that it's okay and permissible certainly for there's to be some sort of a I don't know secular if it you want to call it that, dimension to that, because the concepts, though for us they're very much a matter of holiness, mm-hmm. and, and I don't mean that in any way, but just trying to capture that idea, that God had a character and a personality and a dimension mm-hmm. about himself, that when he created us, he created us to be in that way, And for us, they are holy things. They make God, God, unique. Mm -hmm. Only one of, not multiple, but one of. But all those things that make society good, even in secular contexts, have their roots or origins in the Word of God. I I don't know that people realize that. Mm -hmm. The origins of science... Empiricism, the reason that the Christian and Jewish Hebrew people, peoples, if they're exalted in any sort of way to a position of leading others, it's because God gave us his mind. Right. It is the foundation for all empiricism mm-hmm. and science. Mm-hmm. The Bible is the first research product, project, study. It wasn't a fable that somebody wrote and concocted, and then every year you add a little bit of this to it. No, it was actually someone, Hebrew people, God appointed them to capture the nature of the world in empirical, measurable, scientific terms. Now, did they use the exact scientific terminology? No. But the process and the procedure, it's empiricism. And I think a lot of people forget that. But when we think about all of our experiences, when we think about what the Word of God gives us, getting back to the holy days, when it's captured in that notion that God gave us these things. Now, mm-hmm. kids can't miss it. Now, I'm going to confess this. Uh-oh. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm not the... I'm not... You know, that it's really Scrooge. It, well, what is it? Scrooge. Japanese are Scrooge. Are you going to share with no, me? No. Well, I wasn't going to say they trashy about Christmas or bad about Christmas. I was just going to say, and most people probably have already figured this out, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I don't know everything. I don't have in journals... You're pretty close. <laughs> ...studies, right? Scientific studies that I've authored. I've not set up research projects in that way. My doctorate did not require much in the way of me concocting and conducting some sort of a scientific research or experiment. I had to read others. I had to be a consumer, a good consumer, so that I had to figure out what was good science versus bad science, which is a good lesson, right? right. I think. Yes. But I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I have a bit of wisdom, right, about yes. me, common sense, yes. kind of dimension. But I know this. I know some of the stuff that's being peddled as science isn't. And I also know this. A lot of those, as far as would be accountings in the Word of God, or as much as we talk about holidays like Christmas, 
even somebody like me can appreciate the message in that. Children don't have to be knowledgeable of everything. Children don't even have to really be all that studied when it comes to university or the hypothetical deductive model of reasoning, which most universities used to teach. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they teach it anymore. The people who graduate seem to be lacking not only in that wisdom, but common sense. Or not only knowledge, but wisdom and common sense. They seem to be absent that. Agreed. But the message is so clear, even a child mm -hmm. could appreciate it. So how could I be Ebenezer Scrooge about something so important? Now, I am a little bit Ebenezer when it comes to a lot of the secular stuff that goes on with it. But the central message, if it's not against us, it's for us. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I, I cannot help. I read a book last Christmas, and it really changed my perspective on Christmas because we know the message, and we know... God became man, we know he came, and we know the story and the manger, and we know all that as Christians, and, and sometimes that gets a little faded after hearing it for 57 times. You, you sort of, yeah, we know, we know. But I read this book last Christmas that talked about him coming down, and it was just about the birth, about him coming down to our mess, to this earth. And we know he was born in the manger and it was, you know, there's animals and it wasn't the best place. But, man, it just spoke to me about how he came to us in our mess, in our life. He came right in the middle of it. He wasn't scared of it. He didn't wait for us to clean it up. He just came to us in that. And it just, it really changed my perspective last year. And, um... I know that I see it differently now. Well, and I could say that in a, in a very, again, generic sort of way. I'm going to use the word secular again without any sort of Christian, religious, Christian, whatever sort of uh, overtones to it. It's better to give than to receive. Mm -hmm. We all know that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but most of childhood is filled with, I want, I want, I want. Mm -hmm. And that's not bad because they need, they need, they need. Children need attention. They need someone to care for them. Right. They need someone to feed them, to clothe them. They need someone to teach them, show them the way. Mm -hmm. And to the extent and degree that that's a lot of receiving, at some point they also have to figure out how to give and what the value of giving. Lest they should spend their entire life in a receiving sort of mode. Now, I don't know if that's the... Because I don't do research. <laughs> confessed that a few moments ago. Isn't this so wonderful? I don't do research. I don't conduct scientific experiments. I do try to be a good consumer. I read journals. I read articles. I try to be studied. I do my requiem continuing education, including my cultural sort of enrichment and, and all that stuff that goes along with being what I am professionally. But I will say this though that somewhere along the way, it does seem like we have stopped growing up. We're all about receiving, not giving. We're all about give me, give me, give me. Take care of me, take care of me, take care of me. And I understand that. Again, for those who particularly do not have or have had a very difficult life of not receiving, I understand that. 
I can even understand that if you're in a very difficult place in your life where unfortunate situations and circumstances beyond your control have rendered you incapable of caring for yourself. I can even understand that if somebody as somebody else has done that to you, taken the, all the things they are stolen from you. I, <laughs> I can even understand some people want to keep you in that position. I could understand that. There are people who oppress people in this world for their value and for, uh, for the personal gain, mm -hmm. for what they can get out, the value they can get yeah. out of you and will only allow you to be so much. I understand that. I don't know that that makes me a social justice warrior, but I understand the premises of all of that. But somewhere along the way, I don't think any of that stuff really is an excuse for not growing up. Now, how can I say that? Because what you figured out last Christmas or got revealed to you, mm -hmm. and you re kind of reconsidered it, mm -hmm. conceptualized it a different way, in your own understanding, mm -hmm. which is not bad. I mean, God translates all of this so that we can understand that. Maybe that is the humanistic or secular dimension. We just can't live there. We have to understand, again, all good things come from above. Right. But when you get to that point where you say something like I just got to say it, I only say that because I know God does not withhold anything from us, including knowledge and wisdom. Mm -hmm. you, there's knowledge everywhere. Mm -hmm. You can read about everything. You could be Solomon and do everything. But in the end, it's going to come back to this. If you don't do it with God's intentions in mind, again, according to His virtue, what you testified to a moment ago about last Christmas, mm -hmm. you're going to do it the wrong way because it's not about giving it to you so you can be God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's about giving it to you so you could give it to other people. And what a great lesson to teach our kids. But you have, I could not teach them this way. I mean, I could, right? Mm -hmm. But kids are kids. And they may not understand it, but I could tell them about Jesus. I could tell them, like, you just got to tell it our listeners, who aren't kids either, but some of them may not be as capable, not the smartest person in the world. Some of them may still be kind of humanistic. They're trying to do it out of themselves and don't understand. But that's a very poignant message that we need to hear probably more than once a year. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think the more personal we make it, the more, like I said, that wasn't something I didn't know. That wasn't something that I, you know, what? He was born a major. <laughs> I knew all that, but it became personal to me and God made it. And I, I feel like in my walk with Christ, the more that I grow closer to him, things mean more to me. But I need to interject this and I don't know. I keep hearkening back to our conversation about Jacob because he wanted, wanted, wanted. And then what happened when he got what he wanted? Then he's on the run. He's, you know, fleeing. And then he's working seven years and working seven more years. Sometimes when we get what we want, it's not well, all that it's cracked up to be. And we're not. The, and, and again, as much as you might think you're the smartest person in the world, in worldly sort of oh, terms, there's always somebody else who's either smarter than you or got something you want 
Lincoln. and is at least smart enough, to, right? Yeah. Smart enough not to give it to you, and yeah. you can get played that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Taking advantage of because that really is the two ways of looking at it: give me, give me, give me, or allow me to give you, give you, give you. Mm-hmm. Which isn't. It doesn't mean that all of our life has to be spent giving everything away to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that that's not the intention. I don't think of either my message or even the Bible. Mm-hmm. But it is though when God calls you to, mm-hmm. and it is. By God's calling that we measure such things as that. But if you've got a stingy heart and you're not a generous person, you're right. You're not going to be happy with what you got. You're probably going to get tricked by other people. And in the end, though there is much to be said for satisfaction in material dimensions, it is not going to be the satisfaction, though, that will either save your soul, feed your soul, allow you to claim your life one day when you look at it as something worth remembering or noting. Because mm-hmm. you'll just do it all alone. <laughs> and you could tell the world about it, but who, who cares? Well, in the material aspect of it, I... <laughs> Uh, that's that's something I've been thinking about lately. It's funny you mentioned that because I've I've actually been considering that. And you know, when our house burnt down in 1999 and I had to go to Walmart to get some basic items, a hair dryer and like a brush and stuff. And I remember thinking, I had a list as I do, and I remember thinking how much of the store is non-necessary. I never considered that before. I'll just be honest. I never thought about it. And then when I went in, before it was an opportunity to be like, oh, what's here? What what fall decorations do they have? What, you know, do they have any pumpkins out? And, you know, my mind would have went that direction. But this time it was, I need a toothbrush. I need a hairbrush. I need these basic necessity items. And then it dawned on me, and I think it was God revealed this to me, how much was non-necessary. And I never considered that. And it dawned on me how much I wanted and how much I needed. And, and that, that stuck with me and I knew it was going to go away. I wanted it to stay with me. I was almost sad, almost grieved it. Because I knew that my nature, my humanness would come out again and I would want things. And I was a little sad about that. I wanted to remain in that I only want what I need mentality. And and I knew that that wasn't 100% possible. I know with God, He can provide everything I need. And I can find complete, you know, satisfaction in that. But we're in this earthen vessel that sometimes... Like you said, the selfishness sometimes comes out. I'm not proud of that, but um, sometimes we can, you know, go back to that little and not grow up and not stay in our adulthood. Well, I, and I do not want to, and, and I <laughs> had discussions like this before too. I don't want to be mean to anybody, and I'm certainly not inclined to shame people. I think I've confessed in prior broadcasts slash podcasts that I don't want to be the angry preacher. <laughs> So, so I do not want to flog people for being human. There is nothing wrong with being human. And there's certainly nothing wrong with human needs. Mm-hmm. And there is absolutely, positively, nothing wrong with being warm, fed, nothing. 
Right. Even if you have a nice safe house and you live in a nice safe city and you have a nice safe police force and a nice safe fire department and people to take care of you and that nothing even if you are in a country such as ours that has the, the blessings of God. There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong and only makes that enmity with God mm -hmm. is when you don't put Jesus in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And all I mean by that is it has to be balanced. And the only way that it gets balanced is if we not only understand the mind of God, which is not to deny us those things. Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't say, go hungry. Jesus didn't right. say, emaciate yourselves. Jesus did not say, flog yourself. Jesus did not say, be a martyr. Mm -hmm. I don't believe, I might be wrong, but I don't yeah. know that there, any of that messaging, at least as I best understand the Word of God, yep. is in the Word of God. Yeah. But what it is, is when the time comes to give, be generous. Mm -hmm. When the time comes to share, don't be so inclined to be so much about yourself, selfish, mm -hmm. that you can't spare any consideration and love for others. And certainly, if somebody is trying to get better, we should help them. Absolutely. We should assist them. But don't lie to the people that's trying to get better and trick them into staying in a position or place where I'm going to continue to dominate and tell you what to do. I don't know, mm -hmm. dominate's a strong word, but I think it all comes down to that, just so that I can be king. Mm -hmm. That's not. We do not need to be ruling class in the United States. We do not need to create or facilitate people who are in poverty or bring right. people into our country just so that we can keep them mm -hmm. in a working class kind of position so we can all be the elite. But that's, unfortunately, I think that is more the true motive. Mm -hmm. You know, I've wrestled with that too because I really think that we should be generous. Mm -hmm. We should, I don't know if we should have open borders you know, and I know that gets political, but I do understand this, though, that the more people that need help, we should help them. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we should tell people they can't come mm -hmm. to the United States. But if I thought the motive was good, if I trusted anyone, anyone, mm -hmm. broad spectrum, anyone in politics anymore these days to be doing that for any reason except themselves, mm -hmm. they're all Pharisees, it seems, at times, pharisaical. I would say, go for it. Mm -hmm. I am sure that God is not going to get upset with me to be generous to people who don't have or need. Mm -hmm. But if it's all about making somebody a better person than me or ruling me or Caesar or Mammon mm -hmm. or that type, I'm not really for that very much. Right, right. I actually got shamed one time for my stance on that, and I'm not going to go there either to get political this morning. But someone actually said to me, you know, just they kind of corrected me on that, and and it wasn't about that. It, uh, trust me, <laughs> I've adopted two girls, and I am not about keeping people oppressed. We knew they would never get any eye care in China. We knew they'd never get to see a doctor that they needed, an eye doctor. So, you know, I'm not about oppressing people and keeping them where they're at. Um, but I want everybody to do better. I want, that's one of the reasons I wanted to go in a profession where I could work with people because they everybody has potential. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has something they contribute to the body of Christ, even if they don't know Christ, they do. And I want them to see that, and then I want them to be able to use it. 
so we can all work together as a body of Christ. And I just believe that about people. And and I just maybe I'm. You do not want me. You do not want me to perform brain surgery on you. No. I'm not gifted and talented. I do kind of brain surgery, but I don't do it that way. (laughs) But I'm not gifted and talented in that. You do not want me to play on your NBA all-star basketball team (laughs) because I'm not gifted and talented in that. But I don't hold anything against anybody who's gifted and talented in that way, and I don't... I don't believe carry such unrealistic expectations that I should be LeBron James. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Right. I'm not the physical specimen that he is. I do not have the basketball capabilities that he does. I am not him. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean LeBron James should be a licensed clinical counselor or a pastor. Right. He does what he does. Mm-hmm. But we can celebrate God in that way for the diversity, cultural diversity, the diversity that he provides. But it's the same kind of a premise. It's upon God's terms. It's not my manipulating a situation, a circumstance to get what I want so that, well, I can't let LeBron James Mm -hmm. be better than me. Or I've got some issue. Or I can't let the next door neighbor who's got more money than me. Or has a nicer car than me. Hmm. I mean, why would I? I mean, the Bible says that. I shouldn't covet a lot of things. But if I were doing that out of bad motive, I need to be called out on that. That's not right. But that's one of those things that you try to teach your kids too. Mm-hmm. And that's why we do have holidays or holy days. We're going to take a moment remind our listeners who are listening to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett. So Carolyn, we teach our kids from early on in life Mm -hmm. not to hold themselves back, not to hold somebody else back, but to exalt God, Mm -hmm. to not only want, but to give, to bless others as we have received. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Even though it goes against our nature sometimes, um, I think we need to focus on that. It's one of those spiritual disciplines. It's better to give than receive. And as much as I talked to my children about that when they were little and growing up, and we t- I remember that was probably one of the best Christmases when we took in this family, and this isn't to brag on us, but we took the kids with us so they could pick out clothes for this family and it was probably about what we would have spent on our own family for Christmas. I mean, we, we bought a lot of stuff. And we let them see what it was like to spend for others. And when we were shopping, they were blessed by being able to give to others. But it was in that real-time moment. It wasn't me saying, now kids, we want to give to others. You know, when they were actually a part of it and involved in that process, I know that changed them. And they got excited about, you know, what the kid would think when they opened that present or when they, you know, got that thing that they wanted. And to be real honest, my kids have been recipients of things like that. And let me tell you, I felt really blessed, and I know they did too, but I think being in action and doing it solidifies that thing that we're trying to teach them more than just words. 
because I can preach to them all year long, but until they're a part of it and they do it and they have that, that commemoration, when they actually do the thing, and I'm, I'm thinking about like Passover, you know, when they have these rituals, when they actually participate in that. You remember, um, what's that scripture where he says, you know, what do these stones mean? And they, and they remind them. And it's like, I feel like that those are all good things. And, you know, I want... I want to pass that along, but I'm not sure that just telling them about it is enough. I think well, they have to participate well, in it. You, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> you even know that as assigned rulers of your home, that as parents you cannot remain the ruling class. It goes against everything that we know when it comes to this type of socialization. Because even if you were to choose to try to do that, and you were somewhat benevolent, somewhere along the line, your kids, when you're not there anymore, or your kids, maybe, some kids, I think, they grow up and they get angry. Well, how come I don't get to do this? You're the only, oh, it's all about you. It's all about you. And it does. It messes them up self-esteem-wise. And as they get older, they struggle. And even if they would then not be so much messed up or struggle, they would repeat that. The next, it doesn't get better. It gets worse because that's all you do is you just create this sort of dynamic of you telling somebody. But when you practice what you preach, right, exactly. when you live it exactly. in real-term dimensions, Mm -hmm. That's I, when you really teach them. I got to interject something because I was—it was one of those proud mom moments that I—I <laughs> I don't know if I'm just not looking for them or I just don't see them, but it's, they seem like they're few and far between. Um, I'm proud of my kids, but to see them without any kind of provocation or you know, like you know, aren't you glad we did that for you? You know, there was no provocation. I was watching my daughter type a discussion paper for her college class. And she was typing and I was doing something, but I glanced over at her screen and it caught my attention. Because she said something about my parents raised me and I, I perked up and I was like, what is she talking about? And I looked at her screen and the thing was, the topic was about kids being um, invested, obsessed with electronics and, you know, always having the newest, best thing. And I think that was the theme of it, about how we are, we're never satisfied, we always want the new thing. And she wrote, I wasn't raised in a home that focused on those things. I didn't get an actual cell phone until I was 13. And she went on and, and commented, but it really struck me that she knows she was raised different and that she was okay with it. She was happy about it. And I was like, wow, okay. So all the things that we did, you know, when they begged and pleaded and, and Connor was the last one in his whole, in the whole second grade to get a gaming system. You know, eight years old is pretty old before you get a gaming system <laughs> in these days. <laughs> and so I, I was pleasantly surprised, and I thought, well, maybe we did something right. Maybe well, you we, you know, maybe didn't we lead with materialism, and you didn't appeal only to that. And and I know no. again, there's there's we're still in this world. different between wants and needs. Yeah. You you made right. that point earlier. 
I would like to remind our listeners as well, though, that really what we're speaking of right now is more than even Christmas, celebration of Jesus' gift to the world, God's gift to the world in Jesus Christ, which, by the way, probably we didn't need to say that, but we'll say that. That's really what that is, the message. But we're talking about the central piece of the entire Bible, which is the two great commandments. To love but one God, to know there is but one God, to love Him with all thy heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and to love others as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And it is in Jesus that that happens. But that's really what I think we're speaking to. And I think that that's what we're encouraging our listeners to understand. We live in a society that is immature. They've never grown up. Yes, there's been a lot of this. How could you? I mean, it's a hard thing to argue that you can live in the United States of America and be so disadvantaged and not find some way to know God or not find some way to get out of that position unless somebody somewhere was keeping you in that position of oppression. Mm-hmm. Now again, maybe we do it to ourselves, but somebody somewhere along the line, and that really is a great commission too, is right. to tell people about Jesus. Right. Exactly. And this message of giving and not just receiving, but even when you think it's going to kill you, even when you think it's going to take everything that otherwise in a material sort of way is so important as a need, most of the time it doesn't. But even should it, it doesn't mean that that is the end. God has a plan. Absolutely. Don't be a martyr, but don't be afraid to give. And the, the measure of our giving will never equal Christ's. There is right. no way anyone is going to do what God did when he sent his son Jesus and what Jesus had to do so that we might know this message. For God so loved the world that he gave. Amen. He gave, and it was at Brennan Manning. I think he wrote the foreword in the Ragamuffin Gospel, I think. He said, uh, I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where the bread is. And, you know, that's the gospel. We're telling people how to find Jesus, and that's where they're going to get everything they need. And, and we are we're appealing a little bit higher order in terms of thoughts, human thoughts. Again, most kids are probably not going to tune into our broadcast. <laughs> I don't know if anybody tunes it. I don't know if anybody tunes into except for the Merry Christmas. They might think, but I don't know if present. anybody tunes into our broadcast. But we're hoping that our listeners may not be the smartest persons in the world. I again put myself in that category, but they have some common sense. And I'm also believing because they're Christians, they also recognize that God put them where they are. Should they not aspire to something greater? Yes, they should always aspire to greater. Is it always materialistically? No, but can it be? Yes. Is there anything wrong with a better tomorrow than there was either today or yesterday? No. But we need to lead with the mind of God. We need to understand the good gifts that do come from above. We need to appreciate His Holy Spirit, which is also another dimension of that gift. He's alive within us. He helps us. Maybe He is the wisdom that I possess. Maybe He is the common sense dimension. I don't know what it was like before Jesus. Seems to me like they used to kill people who were disobedient. I was reading in Deuteronomy and if you had a disobedient child that wouldn't listen to your parents, you took him out to the gate 
her, him, whomever, and would the congregation would stone him. Now, I'm not saying that that's right. I'm just saying that's all part of, however, when I was a child, I got spanked. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to get killed. It didn't happen. It wasn't that bad. But they're scared, right? Right. But I don't know that we have to live in that degree of respect. But sometimes until something like that catches our attention in that way, Mm -hmm. we're just... I don't know, spoil kids. Mm-hmm. We can get away with anything. You don't have to, you know, that is the message. You don't have to follow any rules anymore these days. Oh, People boy. do what they want to do. Every man did what they thought was right in, in their, their own, own eyes. eyes. Yep. And that's the only reason God had to give the world Saul. Because mm-hmm. they had lost their common sense or whatever measure of that uh, respect for the word. That God had given them in the Old Testament because King Saul was still wanted. They wanted what everybody else had. They weren't thinking about giving back to God and being thankful for what they had. They wanted what everybody else had instead of wanting what God wanted. And I do think that that's why the Old Testament, just like a child, not that you lie to your child and say, I'm going to beat you to death, Mm -hmm. but what you do is you communicate a message. It's important to follow the rules. It's important to learn this lesson. It's important because not only for the sake of others, Mm -hmm. which is important, but for your own salvation. Mm -hmm. It's important. There's nothing selfish about wanting to be saved. You just have to want to be saved or to know you have to be saved in the right sort of way. The desire has to be the right sort of way. So to gain your life, you give your life. Mm And that's the only way that God can righteously cover that. That you are sanctified and that you will have the life that you claim that you want. <laughs> now, Carolyn, lest we forget, we, we, I don't know where the rabbit trails, but we could get out there a bit. I want to tell our listeners, Merry Christmas! I want to say that to you. Merry Christmas, Carolyn. Merry Christmas. But I also want to do that as a segue. Because on today's broadcast, podcast, we have a guest. We shouldn't surprise our listeners at all because it's just the rundown. That's the way we do it. Her name is Rebecca Parker Moore. She represents Operation Shoebox. And, get this, Operation Christmas child. (laughs) And with that, she's going to talk a bit about her ministry or that ministry and her participation in it as it would then, I believe, speak to some of the things that we talked about today. And though we're not asking you to give everything you have to any of these ministries, Mm -hmm. but we're just asking you to be open to the Holy Spirit for He will give you unction. As we used to say at church, or as we say in church, unction, King James, used to, King James, unction as to when and what to give to. Right. Because God knows. God knows there's so many, much need, but He knows how to meet all that need in the right measure. So, with your permission, do I have your permission? Yes. We're going to take a break. (laughs) Remind our listeners they're listening to Covenants. Sponsored by, I forgot that, co-sponsored by 
Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry and the Word House Incorporated. But we're going to take a break and when we come back, we are going to have with us Rebecca Parker Moore. So we are back. You know I like saying this. You accuse me, Carolyn, of being a Scrooge. But I like to say this. Merry Christmas to our listeners. And why do I say that? Because we have a special guest, as we traditionally do on our broadcast. Rebecca Parker Moore, who is with Operation Christmas Child. And... Uh, do you ever get tired of saying Merry Christmas? I do not. Or reminding individuals of Christmas? I pack shoeboxes year-round. Yes. Well, tell us about your ministry. Uh, because I know a bit about it, but I don't know that I know enough about it. Okay. Uh, so my name is Rebecca Parker Moore, and I am a regional area coordinator, and I get to serve um, churches and community groups all across pretty much half of West Virginia. Uh, so Operation Christmas Child is a ministry of Samaritan's Purse. We collect gift-filled shoeboxes and we send those to over 100 countries to boys and girls who have never received a gift. But the most important part about Operation Christmas Child is that it's all about Jesus. So in these 100 plus countries that we deliver to, we partner uh, with local pastors, our ministry partners, who are trained and equipped on how to share the gospel effectively with these children. And you know, <laughs> and you did hear, which is the beauty of the program, I think. You did not hear anything that Carolyn and I were saying before you came into the studio to do your segment. But you know, we would make it always make it about Jesus. But we were talking about that. We were talking about there's nothing wrong with God meeting material needs. There's nothing wrong with being not hungry to be full right to be satisfied or warm there's nothing wrong with that and in the process there is nothing wrong with teaching especially children as they need to learn this is a gift from God this is a gift from Jesus God takes care of us in that way Yes, uh, this is a tangible expression of God's love presented to these children. And they come to these distribution events not knowing they're receiving a gift. They come simply because they were asked to come to an event. Hmm. Now, I don't know the reach. So I do not know if it's in the United States, if most of the shoeboxes or as with Operation Christmas Child is a regional sort of venture as, as helping people who are in need regionally or if it's international. So the primary goal of Operation Christmas Child is to serve these children internationally. Um, there are uh, opportunities with Southwest Indian Reservations that shoeboxes will go to in the States, um, but our primary goal is to reach internationally. Which I would not know necessarily about the countries, and you can certainly address that, or the parts of the world that you go to, or how that determination is made. But I can only imagine in a, a layman sort of way just what the need might be. And, uh, you know, that's something else Carolyn and I were talking about. We are spoiled. In the United States, we do not understand really much about giving. We just want more and more and more. You're right. Um, with Operation Christmas Child, since 1993, since it began, we have collected over 188 million shoebox gifts. 
Uh, our goal this year uh, on a global scale is 9.7 million. Wow. That's an incredible amount of individuals and an incredible outreach. And I would imagine packing 9.7 million is like unfathomable. I can't imagine it. And, and you know, the beauty of it is anyone can pack a shoebox, a, a small child to uh, an elderly person. Anyone can pack a shoebox gift. And how one would go about packing a shoebox gift is you could grab any shoebox from your closet. I'm sure we all have them out there. And you can fill that shoebox gift with school supplies, hygiene items, uh, small toys, soccer balls with a pump, a doll, something that would grab that child's attention. So when they open up that shoebox, they are just ooing and aahing. Wow, you know, this is for me. I don't have to share a toothbrush. I don't have to share a washcloth. Mm. And I want to interject something, David and Rebecca. We had our packing party at our church Wednesday night. Had a big time. The little kids. And my daughter Bella um, loves to make, produce the videos and, and she films all the content and, and her and my husband, you know, and they showed it Sunday morning, which it turned out great. But Tim added some clips at the end and I want you to speak about this because it piqued my interest when they showed this little boy and he was opening his box and he was playing his little harmonica. Somebody stuck a harmonica in his box. He said, this is the best toy I ever got. And then he said something that struck me and he said, these are people from the United States, I think he said that one that people that wanted to give me a gift, and then he said, "But the best gift was that I got to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord." And it kind of struck me, and I don't know why it did, like as odd because I thought, you know, they're getting a box, but how do they connect that box to getting saved? And I asked my husband about it, and I said, "Well, how did he?" know to receive Jesus, you know, from this box of, of necessities and things that they need, like you mentioned. And he told me, and maybe you can explain this a little further, that they, the uh, people that are responsible for getting that box to that specific area include a Bible, is that right? Or some kind of information, or is it that they connect with the pastor? But those children receive the gospel as well. So can you can you explain that a little bit for our listeners? I'm happy to explain that because that's my favorite part. Uh, so we partner again with over a hundred countries with ministry partners on the ground um, because with everything that Samaritan's Purse is involved in, we stay. We're in it for the long haul. Um, I'm sure those of you listening are familiar with some of Samaritan's Purse. Uh, U.S. disaster relief. They're often the first on the ground and they stay until the job is done. Um, in these hundred plus countries, uh, first and foremost, it is all about Jesus. The gospel is presented before the child receives a gift. Mm. Um, and I actually was blessed with the opportunity to go to Togo, West Africa four years ago and I got to see this firsthand. It is so unbelievably powerful uh, what the Lord is doing through your shoebox filled gifts. Um, these children are hungry for the gospel. Many have never heard that Jesus left heaven for them, that he died for them, uh, and they respond. And you know, it's not just that child. They then share Jesus with their family. Um, in country, when the child receives their shoebox filled gift, they receive uh, a booklet called The Greatest Gift because 
Jesus is our greatest gift, and we want them to know that. Uh, and this booklet is now printed in 88 different languages, so this is given in country. Um, and then the follow-up discipleship program, again, Samaritan's Purse wow. is in this for the long haul, um, is The Greatest Journey, and that is a 12-lesson discipleship program that the pastors are inviting these children to come back and take part in, uh, and it is through your shoebox-filled gifts that every minute, and this is only the Lord, every minute for children accept Christ as a result. So, so that notion, though, of not only associating God's gift to the world, Merry Christmas, Carolyn, <laughs> Jesus Christ, not only associating that with salvation in sort of that spiritual dimension, but really, we said that earlier, we have to teach it in a way that people can see the representation of it can touch it, feel it, taste it, but that's really empirical too. That is the gospel. Jesus came so that we could see it, touch it, taste it, feel it, know what it was like, so that we might then understand it in human terms, and then, with that, not only accept it, the gift itself, Him, Jesus, but out of that, then the Holy Spirit which is truly love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And the generosity that that represents and the gifting, it is God's gift. For God, you said that, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave. And what's wrong, again, I keep asking it kind of incredulously, but what's wrong with that message? There's nothing wrong with that message. Mm -mm. And as far as Rebecca, as far as your participation in that, somewhere that's your message. It is. Uh, it's all about Jesus. I have been packing boxes since I was 16. And throughout my life, the Lord has just called me to delve deeper into the ministry. And going to Togo four years ago truly was the highlight of my life, just to see the involvement of our ministry partners and just the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, while I was there, I've never experienced anything like it um, because it's all about Jesus. And you just see churches being planted and just tremendous growth in communities where the gospel has never been heard. And how many stories have you heard of boxes containing certain things that a child always wanted? And I know that may sound, you know, sort of frivolous, but we had a speaker at one of our packing parties that had received a box, and she was from another country. And she shared about how she had a sister that was um, sick and not able to come to the, to the uh, where they received the boxes. And she was so worried that her sister wouldn't have, you know, like, she's like, I'm going to get this box, and, you know, I don't really want to share it with her, and, and I want it, but I want to give her something, and she was just kind of torn as a little girl, and she opened up her box, and she shared, and she just cried, and she said, in it was two dolls, mm -hmm. and she just, she just cried, because she said she felt like God knew, you know, her sister needed a doll as well. I mean, just those stories of how God has just, even in the giving, mm -hmm. has blessed those kids, mm -hmm. even in their innocent hearts, 
it was just, it was really touching to hear her tell that story, you know, and it was just a doll, but to her, to a little eight or nine year old girl in another country that doesn't get dolls, mm -hmm. it was a big deal. And I'm sure you witnessed that when you were, when you were there. Yes, certainly. Um, you know, the most important thing we can pack in our shoeboxes is prayer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, don't worry about, oh, I don't know if that size of shoe will fit that particular child that gets it. Give all those details to the Lord. There's so much freedom in that and so much joy that comes that you are packing that shoebox filled gift knowing that the Lord is going to use that in a mighty way to answer. Uh, the prayers of that child and also the family. Uh, we had a full circle speaker a few years ago and he wanted to go to school. You know, he was five years old. That was a, a desire. But because his mother couldn't afford school supplies, that wasn't a possibility. Uh, and his mother encouraged him to pray. Um, and shortly thereafter, he was invited to a distribution event where he received a shoebox gift. And in his box was everything he needed to attend school. And you know, we, we move God's hands. And it's really love, I think, is what we're saying, that gets packed into that shoebox. Most definitely. And I think it is, again, as of the Holy Spirit in the direction. And what edification. I mean, how good you could feel about knowing you're participating in something like that. I can't imagine anyone not feeling really, really good to know that they've helped people in that way. Most definitely. And it's just, you know, when you see those pictures and when you hear those stories, there are so many videos on the Samaritan's Purse website uh, that you all can go on to and listen and, and view. They're just beautiful testaments of God's faithfulness and His provision. So I would imagine someone right now is wanting to get involved. Just because just of, of the Holy Spirit. You know, nothing necessarily about anything that we've said, although we've tried to capture that in the best way we could, communicate that, but it's the Holy Spirit that's moving them. So, Rebecca, how do they go about doing that? Who do they call? How do they go about that? Wonderful. So, Collection Week is coming up. It's our most favorite time of the year, those of us who love Operation Christmas Child and serve year-round. So, November 15th, through the 22nd. There are over 4,000 drop-off locations in the country and just here in the tri-state there are over 20 locations that you can find by going online to the website at samaritanspurse.org slash OCC. Do you want to repeat it again? Yes. <laughs> So you can go online to samaritanspurse.org.org slash OCC and there you'll be able to find your closest drop-off. So there's actually a tool on there where you can um, enter your zip code and find out the closest locations to you. Uh, it doesn't matter where you drop off your box. We are just so grateful that you have packed it. And Rebecca, will is there on that website, can they find items, like suggested items for the box? Because people may be wondering, well, what can I put in a box? There are so many suggestions on there on what you can put. And again, I encourage you to pray before you pack your box. You know, pray for that child that when they hear the gospel being shared, that they will respond in a powerful way and accept the Lord and and just become a disciple who will share Jesus with their entire family, with their village, all their communities. Um, some items to include um, school supplies, 
huge. Uh, you can get a full-size notebook in a shoebox. You can get so much in a shoebox. Um, pencils, a pencil sharpener, things that we take for granted. A simple washcloth, a bar of soap, um, hairbrush comb, those sort of hygiene items, again, that you know we take for granted. Some things that we don't want to include um, are toothpaste, any liquids of any sort, uh, no food items can go. And as much dolls can go. Dolls, sure. <laughs> toys. Trucks, toys. toys. You want to think of things that children of all ages love. Um, and you know, these children often have never received a gift. Their parents have never been able to provide a doll or a truck. Uh, and you can meet the need for this child and their family. And the greatest part is we are sharing all about Jesus. So by your estimation, and again, I'm still going back to that thought of, what was it, 9 million? Yes. By your estimation in our area, um, there must be a lot of individuals who participate, but also I can only imagine the world's population and the need that is representative uh, by that. Then, And if you really want to, if you're sitting at, at home or in your car or wherever you might be, uh, in front of your computer, if you're listening to the podcast right now, and you're thinking, well, you know, what can I do? Or how can I get the message of Christ out in that evangelistic sort of way? Uh, this would be a perfect opportunity. Because though there are, it's impressive, the numbers that are being ministered to and taught of Jesus, and, and you guys can't see it, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in our audience can't see it. I can. The material, though, that's handed out is excellent. I mean, it's well done. It's well presented. But if you want to get involved, there's plenty of opportunities, but this would definitely be one of those ways. And again, the need is there. Is that right, Rebecca? The need is there, and the need will always be there because there are hundreds of millions of children who have never received a gift. You know, 188 million children since 1993 is just a drop in the bucket. There is such a need. And you may feel like, oh, I don't have time to go out and fill a shoebox. Um, the ministry a few years ago developed Build a Shoebox Online. It is a fabulous tool where you can go on the website, you can choose the age and gender of the child you want to pack, you get to select what items go in that shoebox. And I had the opportunity back in May to go to Charlotte and help fill those orders. Uh, last year was a banner year for collection of those Build a Shoebox, over 400 thousand. Uh, so we are just praising God for that number and encouraging you to do that. And there's also an option for you to personalize the box even though that you're not personally feeling it. You could upload a picture of your family or your pet, uh, whatever you would like, and you can type a note to the child that will receive it. And having that first-hand experience, I can tell you the quality of those boxes is just tremendous. And the $25 um, suggested donation for that is, oh my goodness, you are getting a bargain um, for the items that go in. The quality of the dolls and the stuffed animals, the soccer balls and pumps are truly, truly great. And, you know, the suggested $9 donation with your shoebox filled gift, you know, I couldn't, I live in Ashland, I couldn't send a shoebox filled gift to Huntington here to the studio uh, for $9. 
You know, this is a tremendous deal what the Lord uses this $9 for, and it's not just shipping. Um, this provides the greatest gift booklet that the child receives in country. This provides ministry materials. We know the Lord is just wonderful with multiplication, and He is using your uh, resources in a mighty way. So I'm going to write this down. <laughs> So, Rebecca, would you mind giving me the uh, address on the uh, website again? Yes. That's SamaritansPurse.org. So Could you spell that out? Yes. S-A-M-A-R-I-T-A-N-S Purse, P-U-R-S-E, dot org, O-R-G, slash O-C-C. And for those of you who are interested in building a shoebox online, uh, again, it's that same SamaritansPurse.org slash build online. Okay, I'm going to read this back because I'm not always the smartest guy in the world. SamaritansPurse.org forward slash O-C-C S-A-M-A-R-I-T-A-N-S P-U-R-S-E dot org forward slash O-C-C. So, you know, I get such joy out of wishing everybody a Merry Christmas. R Rebecca, would you like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas? I would. So, Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Remember that it is all about Jesus. And we were put here to serve and to share the hope and love of Jesus with everyone. And because you caused me, calls me, called me a Scrooge, Carolyn, I'm not going to allow you to wish our listeners Merry Christmas wow. right now. You'll have to wait till the final segment of the program. We're going to go ahead and take a break. I want to remind our listeners who are listening to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett, and we'll be back in just a moment. Okay, we're back. Carolyn, I give in. I quit. I give up. Go ahead and wish our listeners Merry Christmas. Get it over with. Okay. Am I going to do it in my voice or am I going to do it in my Santa voice? <laughs> well, you know, you didn't ask me about that. I know. Okay. Merry Christmas. There you go. So, you know, that was impressive. And a and, um, couple thoughts, right, yeah. after uh, doing that segment. Uh, having Rebecca here in the studio. Uh, I know of Samaritan's Purse. I know the credibility. I know it's been around a long time. Uh, I know I've never ever heard anything, not saying that I would have expected, anything but good things. Absolutely. But I don't know that I was as aware of the outreach and the power of that to get not only those gifts in the hands of individuals, in over a hundred countries, and she didn't mention any country, probably so, because of that idea that maybe not wanting to, you know, maybe target any or say anything about any particular one to the exclusion of others. But that idea, though, is that in the hands of those individuals, and then with that, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. And I love that, the idea of not only the prayer, but speaking of the love, the love of God, the love of Christ that goes into that gift. And isn't that also what giving is supposed to be about? Charity is love. Yes. And in that, that sincere, genuine intention of the heart mm -hmm. to help somebody else and give them the greatest gift of all, 
which is Jesus. At least tell them of the greatest gift of all, which is Jesus. And that's what our focus has to be on. It's fun to pack the boxes and you know, I'm not gonna lie. We have a we have big old time, and we actually even um, give the kids ice cream, and you know, make it a little fun event. But then Sunday morning, one of our prayer team came to me as I was walking in our sanctuary, and she said, "Let's pray over these boxes." And I looked at her. And I realized she was pointing towards our Operation Shoebox, our boxes, and so I said, "Of course." And when I went over to pray over them. It was a Holy Spirit type thing. It wasn't just we want to bless these kids with these things. It wasn't. It was they're going to find Jesus Christ because of this. And it was very moving to me. You know, at first you think, well, we're going to pray, you know, for the kids to get these boxes. But it's so much more than that. And it just kind of came over me when I started praying over those boxes and we laid our hands on them about how Jesus is coming to these children and we just pray over those children to receive that gift and that they would know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And it kind of gets back to then what we were saying in the first portion of our program, the first segment of our program, that that lesson needs to be taught early in life. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not only as within the gift of life itself, how we should be thankful and appreciative of life. But in that, I would think then also giving that gift of life to other people or to share that gift of life with other people. And our kids need to learn that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're certainly recipients of the gift in the sense that we have been blessed to be able to have children uh, and with that then bring them into this world. But in that same sort of a way, they've been given the message of life to share with other people and how important it is that we can be generous and we can be giving and we can be loving in that manner. And the holidays, especially a time such as Christmas, although I thought it was interesting that she mentioned that your holiday, Thanksgiving, that's when they begin to really make these collections. Mm -hmm. But the holidays are that chance to not only communicate that to our kids, but for them to participate. Right. To learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. And the little video that we showed, which was wonderful, uh, Bella captured some of our youngest, our youngest kids at church, grabbing something out of each container, one thing, and putting it in the box, and grabbing the next thing, and put it in the box. And they may not fully comprehend what they're doing, but they know that they're giving something to a child in need, and they're sharing God's love. That's the basic thing. She said it all comes back, it all comes back to Jesus, and it does. And how a little child can understand showing God's love to someone. It really is basic when we break it down, but we as adults kind of complicate it. Well, we do. We definitely do. And then I think we allow, unfortunately, rather than us sharing that message with others, we get caught up in others trying to do that, uh, or as they would do that, maybe not the right way or they would not be mature about it, or they would be of the world, or the carnal sort of dimension. We unfortunately get pulled into that more than we are able to influence them in that way of giving, the way of Christ, the way of God, the way of the Holy Spirit, the Bible. 
and, and I don't know that we necessarily have to do anything more than remind each other or, or as we are attempting to do, always do on the, on the podcast, the broadcast, to remind our listeners of this. But I think at times people almost become sort of desensitized to there's just either so much need or they just get to the place where well, I've been taken from so much mm-hmm. they don't have anything to give mm-hmm. or I don't feel like I want to. There becomes a stubbornness. Right, right. And, the, and that goes back to there's something we all can give. Even if it's just our time or something that we have knowledge of, somebody that knows how to um, knit or crochet a blanket can share that skill with someone else and then we're giving blankets to people that are homeless everybody has something they can give even if it's just listening even if it's just praying there was a woman i knew that at a food and clothing pantry it was our church's food and clothing pantry and when i went in the first time i saw her sitting over to the side and it was called prayer corner and she had a little sign for the prayer corner and she had a little chair and another chair and that was her only job was just to listen and to pray with anybody that needed prayer. And I thought that was so awesome. I loved that. And I thought, you know, I want to do that one day <laughs> because it was such a blessing. And I just thought, you know, how people sometimes just need a word of encouragement and they need someone to pray with them. And it can be that simple. And I can't think of, again, uh, any better way to offer that than to do it in love and to do it out of some generosity and and to <laughs> there's nothing worse than to be miserable. I, I kinda laugh when I say that and yet I know the condition <laughs> Unfortunately, I've had my brushes with miserable, which is a little different than just misery. Mm. But there's nothing worse than to get caught up in all of the craziness about me, 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 get, 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 take, 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 take. That will not only enhance what misery you might have, especially when you think somebody's going to come along and take it from you, but also it will make you miserable. You can become a miserable individual. I'm picturing, I'm picturing Ebenezer Scrooge from A Christmas Carol. See, you can't resist. <laughs> he was miserable. And that's one of my favorite stories. I love Christmas Carol. And I love the transformation because I think we can all identify with Ebenezer Scrooge. We've all had our brushes with being miserable. And we've all, I feel like, I can't speak for our listeners. I can't speak for you, but I feel like I've been there. I feel like I've, you know, wanted what I've wanted and, and what did it get me? Kind of harken back to Jacob. And, you know, he had that transformation and it's beautiful and I love that. I love that story. And to me, that's, you know, we can say it's fiction. Of course it is, but I feel like God does that for us. Every day he can come in and transform us if we let him. And it should be. I agree with you. It is an everyday proposition. And, and again, uh, su- <laughs> sufficient unto the day. <clears throat> Excuse me. The cares of that very thing, the day. But more than the cares 
that we might have to face, greater, though, would be how we approached them, how we looked at them, how we gave thanks for those things that otherwise God does give us. And maybe there comes a point where not only is it an equal proposition, a balanced sort of proposition of, well, I've got to do these things, and so it's a little bit hard or it's difficult, but I'll get these things. But hopefully somewhere the blessings overtake the the curses or the negatives that go along with life. And with that, or at least our human nature, our human dimension in life. And maybe we can get to the point where we see it more as God sees it. As opportunity, as God sees it, as a chance to create, as God sees it, as giving, even if it seems like it's going to take the last little bit that we have, (laughs) the widow and and her son, the last little bit of oil and meal for the prophet. Maybe we could see that, though, in the same way Jesus saw that. Absolutely. That's that's a great illustration, the prophet. You know, <laughs> I'm still stuck on it. I'm Ebenezer Scrooge. I'm thinking, after his transformation, what was the first thing he did? He gave. Yes. And that was the exact opposite of who he was. And so I feel like when we have that heart change and when we come to Jesus, when we have that transformation, we want to do what he did. We want to be like him and we want to give and we want to love. And so that that just blesses me. I just feel like that's one of the greatest things about serving God is that you want to share that with everybody else because you see what was given to you, the love that was given to you, and then you want everybody else to experience that but it just flows out of you and it's just really amazing how God not only uses us to share that but to bless others and to just be Jesus literally to other people and it's never too late right and you know again maybe this is what you were testifying to about that kind of epiphany experience you had last year mm-hmm. where I know you knew Jesus you know Jesus you knew Jesus then you know Jesus and you know the message of Christ and you have that relationship with him and he he gives you there's that fellowship daily with him right. so I don't want to question that in the least bit but all of a sudden you wake up one morning like Ebenezer did and say is it still Christmas is it still time can can we still do something about this is Is it too late? And then I thought, well, I wonder what the world would be like if we all decided it wasn't about me. Right. It was about giving to others. We'd still all get, but we wouldn't get at the expense of others. And especially if it comes down to either the blessing or cursing. Mm -hmm. The saving. The message is one of salvation. Evangelism in Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, is to save someone, not to condemn them, not to curse them. But if you withhold anything, or if you say, even if it should be speak to, the message of Christ or the Word of God, the New Testament, the, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, but you don't do anything with it, mm-hmm. really, that's almost worse than not doing anything with it to begin with. And I know that that is a hard thing to try to make a, a case for because it far is it has to be far worse to never have known the blessings of giving 
But I do think the Apostle Paul makes the, again, argument that to have known Christ and fallen into apostasy is even worse than never to have known Him. Mm -hmm. Maybe because with that, you do kind of show just how miserable you've become. Mm -hmm. How cynical, how hard-hardened, hearted, how hardened you've become. No compassion, no love, no desire to save others. Mm -hmm. And that's why I thought the guest today was, I was so blessed when I found out who it was that was coming on the program. I felt such in my heart, and even while she was here. Because this seems to be such a simple way mm -hmm. of sharing not only the Christmas message, but the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. Right. And the awesome part that uh, I think I had heard of, but I didn't really know the details, I'm thankful she shared that, is not only did they get their literature and they get the gospel in their language, which is awesome, but then she mentioned that follow-up, that discipleship program that goes on for weeks after that. How awesome is that? How many times have we seen... I hate to admit that, but in the United States, our churches don't do the best job of following up with people once they come to Jesus. And how amazing is that, that those pastors have that resource and they can disciple those kids. And I, that just was an amazing blessing to me. I, I just couldn't believe it. What is, again, as with the Word of God, it's what Jesus did with His disciples. Mm -hmm. It is to teach them hands-on, right. to show them hands-on, to be involved in their life in a hands-on way. So that, that not only do you just offer something, and, and maybe again, out of thanksgiving, the person will receive it, be open. But if you don't continue to cultivate that, or you don't continue to be part of that transformation, again, so much of the cares of this world... It's like the parable where the seed has fallen and what type of soil mm -hmm. and, and if it's fallen on rock versus the kind of soil that otherwise will be, you can cultivate or will come up as, as with healthy, strong strength. And, and I think in that sort of way, this discipleship program offers that ability to continue to sustain that. Right, right. And, and I think that that's where, again, there's a certain element of, of integrity that's required. You can't be a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. You have to be equal with the persons mm -hmm. that you're ministering to, if not a servant to them. And you can't be about getting something from them mm -hmm. as a result of it. I like how she said it was their local pastor that does this. So it's not like somebody comes in from, you know, somewhere else, Operation Christmas Child, American person, you know, is trying to teach these kids. It's their local person that knows them, knows their culture, lives with them, just like Jesus is with us and lives with us. That pastor lives with them and and continues the journey with them. And I just love that. I love how that whole thing flows. And we get to be a part of it. And it's just a great commission. It's, it's so awesome. Yes. And again, there's many facets of it. Mm -hmm. But this certainly is, is not only one that I would have to consider viable. Uh, we always tease a bit about vetting our guests. But I don't know about you, but I felt the Holy Spirit earlier in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I know that that's a God thing, this Operation Christmas Child and, and what um, Franklin Graham has done with Samaritan's Purse. 
And she's right. She mentioned how they're there, one of the first people to respond to disasters. They are. And they're definitely a credible organization. But when you just hear the impact that it has, it's one thing to hear, you know, you need nine million boxes and it's just unfathomable. It's hard to grasp that. But when you break it down and when you yourself pack a box and then, you know, see it shipped off. And there's people that go and volunteer. I had some friends that went to North Carolina down to the actual Operation Christmas Child headquarters, you might call it, where all the boxes come. And I guess that's when they put it on trucks or planes or whatever. And they had an amazing time doing that. So there's so many ways you can be involved from the simplest, even like she said, going online. I didn't know they had that where you could pack a box online and pick what you want in it. How cool is that? Mm -hmm. You can even pick what you want. It's perfect for me. <laughs> I don't like to do the gift shopping myself. Oh, boy. Uh, and so, your poor children. Scrooge. So, you can be as involved as you want. And you can do from the, you know, from the packing of the box to going all the way to... You know, and we had a drop-off center at our church for a while, and I believe this year it's changed. But you can go and help man the drop-off locations. You can even do that, where people bring in their boxes from their church, and then you get it packed up in bigger boxes. I mean, there's so many layers to this and so many ways to be involved, and it's really cool. It also reminded me, again, of, of um, what it's like. And, and I, again, I, once more. I'm not sure that our listeners really <laughs> care about what we do. They may. Uh, or that they would see any need for the specialized pastoral care, the services that we provide at Covenants. Uh, or um, I hope so. <laughs> well, right. But, you know, I don't know that it's, it's that important. But I, I do want to share with them this thought. It is sort of like giving that gift at Christmas, and you can see their eyes. It is certainly something at what they hear, on, and I don't know if it translates really well. When guests come in, I truly feel the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I do. But that's what it's like in the counseling. Mm -hmm. I know that we're doing God's work because He bears witness to that. Mm -hmm. He's there. And I do believe this, that even though I just said all of that, that I know there are listeners who when they hear our guests and the testimony, they're moved in that same way. I agree. But it's evidence of God. Mm -hmm. It's evidence of Christ. It's evidence of the Holy Spirit. And that the Word of God has life in it. Yes, yes. And it moves you. It inspires you. It motivates you to do something greater than you could ever imagine yourself, comprehend yourself ever doing. Mm -hmm. Even if you happen to be Ebenezer Scrooge. That's right. That's right. I, I, I love... And I just pictured um, the disciples and Peter when you said that about how they did more than they ever thought they could. They were just fishermen. They, I mean, they were great fishermen, but that's pretty much all they knew. And look at what, look at the things that they did. Look how Jesus used them and, and taught them, and then they were doing things on their own because of their faith. And it's just amazing to me how we can 
share the gospel and see things, people's lives, people's hearts transformed. Jesus just does amazing things. Well, cast in your net here. Mm -hmm. That's what he told the disciples. Mm -hmm. Here. Yeah. They had not caught a fish all day. Right. Here. Mm -hmm. If the here, if we're mentioning it on the program or you hear any of our guests, today's or any other day's broadcasts, here and you respond, it'll be fruitful. So Carolyn, should anyone want to share an idea, a thought on a program? <laughs> I told them they could criticize you. I don't know if I said they could <laughs> criticize me. If you have any criticisms of either Carolyn or I, yeah, please, it's okay. Please please make it fair. Don't just pile it yeah, on me. You could, you could certainly reach us. Uh, if you have any sort of pastoral care needs, we do the counseling part. That's our ministry. That's what God's called us to. Uh, and as you should be very much aware by this point, it'll always have Jesus as part of it. Carolyn, how do they reach us? The easiest way to reach us at Covenants is to give us a call. 304-528-9220. 304-528-9220. And then you can also go online. You can go to our Facebook page, Covenants has a Facebook page, check us out there. Or you can go online to our website, covenantsonline.com or covenantschristiancounseling.com. And on the Facebook, you're also, they will also be able to find, and there's a lot of stuff that gets posted there. Mm -hmm. uh, you take care of the Facebook. I appreciate that very much. Thank you very much. But you try to uh, include something about the ministry as much as, again, they'll find links to the podcast. Yes. And so, unless you'd want to go to whatever your provider is, your carrier is for podcasts, and look us up, you can go right to our Facebook page. They'll find the link. Yes. And then they can listen to the podcast again. Absolutely. Uh, and maybe can, I guess on Facebook, <laughs> since I don't do Facebook, much... They can share that with others, right? If they'd want yes. to share the link with others and, and certainly... And we welcome your comments. Yes. We welcome your feedback, your thoughts, ideas or suggestions for our show, questions. We welcome it all. So we are we are not afraid. <laughs> so we will um, take a look at whatever you have to send us. And, and who knows, maybe one of your ideas will be a segment. So... Please contact us. And though we really, truly do not know when our listener might be listening to this, mm -hmm. uh, every Thanksgiving, not only think of Rebecca Parker Moore with Operation Christmas Child, because that's when they're receiving their boxes, right. they're, they're asking for those to be sent in. Think of you because of Thanksgiving. Yes. And with that, throughout the year, go ahead and wish each other a Merry Christmas. It does not have to be December 25th. Just make sure that it's got Christ right. in it. So that otherwise we know what that really is all about. So not to deny you, not to be accused, right, of being anything but very generous to you, Carolyn. Thinking you're one of the most important persons in our lives, mine as well as our listeners. Would you like to wish them... <laughs> Another Merry Christmas, just I, so that you could get that in. I wanted to, but I didn't want to ask you to do that. Okay, so I have a Merry Christmas that I do around the house that annoys my children because I love it so much. 
and I love wishing people Merry Christmas, not Happy Holidays, boo, it's Merry Christmas. And so <clears throat> I will bid our listeners farewell, Merry Christmas. You kind of sound like Burl Ives on that I know, old, Chris, a... old Christmas program. <laughs> so we do not know, I do not know who our guests will be for next week, but I am assuring you that you'll be blessed. And uh, I'm also, at the same time, inviting you, our listeners, to feel free to come back and join us again next week on our next uh, broadcast of Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett, co-sponsored by Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry, and the Word House Incorporated. God bless.